0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to the TeacherCast Educational Broadcasting Network. My name is Jeff Bradbury. Thank you for for joining us today. I'm making TeacherCast your home for professional development. Tonight, we're going to be exploring the topic of technology coaching, instructional technology coaching, in fact, and we're going to be talking to several tech coaches today to not only learn what a tech coach is, what a tech coach does, but how a technology coach can effectively transform a school district. Let's bring on our panel from the great state of Wisconsin. I want to bring on Josh. Josh, how are you tonight? Josh is doing just fine. Jeff, how are things? I saw there was something new in the Brewers' world. Is that true?
1: Uh, new in the Brewers' world, they lost yesterday, which which isn't anything new. But were th- um, were they
0: winning in the ninth inning
1: and then and then losing? No, they haven't won a game this season in which they were trailing entering the ninth inning, of which I've been kind of annoyingly posting about every single time <laughs> it happens because they're, like, very close to a playoff spot, and every game they blow is is a bit more of a dagger into the heart of a fan. Nice.
2: But but you're actually helping to drive that dagger into the hearts of other fans, right?
1: I'm probably not being a very positive influence on other fellow brewer fans with my statistics no
2: well it it was interesting because it seems like (laughs) even though you've posted a lot i haven't seen a lot of interaction about it but the most recent post it seems like a bunch of the people that you that follow you in facebook land were just like
1: you know it is what it is (laughs) you love them because they're here our
0: next guest is a fantastic technology coach from the midwest i want to bring on marcy marcy how are you today
3: I'm fantastic. How are you?
0: I'm doing well. Tell us a little bit about yourself.
3: So I have a really phenomenal title. It's called Director for Innovative Learning. So I look I think of myself as um, my full district technology coach, but I brought along a friend who actually does the day-to-day coaching in a school. So I'm gonna kick it over to um, to Maria for you because she is on the ground floor every single day
4: in one of our schools.
3: How are you today?
4: Hi, you guys. I'm Maria Galanis. Thanks, Marcy. Um, things wouldn't happen without Marcy, though. Marcy's like our, our fearless leader, <laughs> and um, I'm one of the eye coaches in our district. Um, Marcy and I go way back because we were, you know, tech coordinators in our district, and both of us have evolved into different roles right now. And um, just happy to be here with you guys tonight.
0: Excellent. Uh, Could you drop your camera just a little? And I want to bring on our next co-host, Mr. Sam Patterson. Sam, how are you today?
2: Doing great. Wonderful day out here in California.
0: And you've been working on a project using iBook Author. What are you doing out there?
2: I am scrambling to tell the story of my school's journey in technology uh, for the Apple Distinguished Schools program. I'm lucky enough to belong to a school that it was one of the I guess one of the very first elementary Apple Distinguished Schools. Um, but when it comes time to renew that kind of thing, you feel that pressure.
0: Excellent. And, uh, of course, Sam and I have been hard at work all summer creating and distributing now. Sam, we've had a few people, uh, a few companies actually be uh, recognized this summer as TeacherCast Best in Class. Of course, we want to congratulate several of those. We uh, recently recognized TechSmith for their great Camtasia software. Uh, Sam, tell us a little bit about why Camtasia was selected as one of the brand new TeacherCast Best in Class apps.
2: Well, to become a best-in-class app, you basically need to be really useful and care about teachers. And Camtasia is one of the first technologies I used that was both of those things. Um, And Jeff, you and I have done a lot of work in Camtasia over the years, and I work almost exclusively in Camtasia for all the stuff I do. And what I'm always moved by is how responsive the Camtasia group is to the needs of all our users.
0: Of course, the other, one of the other companies that we have shown off on our TeacherCast Best in Class is the Padcaster. Many of us are out there making flipped classroom videos, using our iPads, trying to learn how to do video the right way in education. And I want to show off some of our friends over here at Padcaster, an amazing, amazing tool, able to take your iPad and stick it on a tripod for you guys. Check out some of the great stuff happening over there at Padcaster.com, and of course we've got some great reviews now over on TeacherCast for both of those things. But tonight we're going to be talking all about technology coaching. If you are out there watching on TeacherCast.tv as I know many of you guys are, please feel free to leave a comment. We'll certainly take a lot of questions. There's of course several great ways that you can reach out and be a part of this and all of our shows. We love it when you find us on Twitter at TeacherCast. Leave us a voice message over at TeacherCast.net slash voicemail. Email us at feedback at TeacherCast.com and of course, subscribe to this and all of our shows over TeacherCast.net slash iTunes and TeacherCast.net slash YouTube. And of course, we love it when you guys subscribe and leave a whole bunch of comments. So thank you guys very, very much for doing all of that. So let's start off the question that we get a lot, which is what
1: does a tech coach do? That is a great question. Uh really depends on the day. It's kind of amazing the types of things I can be asked to do. Um, today, for instance, um, I spend three hours with our group of new teachers, about 20 of them, uh, going over things like Infinite Campus and how to log into our virtual desktop environment and uh, what our resources are available. Um, so that was one thing I'm asked to do. I'm asked to do a lot of things with our school websites um, I travel between two buildings, which as I'm learning is, is actually quite a luxury uh, as many tech coaches have as, you know, like Jeff's case, six, some have more. Um, so um, I do a lot of traveling. Uh, my primary role is really working with teachers uh, to find ways to use technology meaningfully in their classroom. Um, and that happens in a number of ways, whether it's a direct project or, you know, we have a session where they learn about ways to use Google Apps or maybe how to use WeVideo and create videos online um, or develop other types of activities. Um, so those are some of the main things I do. I mean I also do some, some administrative tasks, creating email lists, um, helping w- with the back end of our grade books software in Infinite Campus and changing standards. Um, I do some video editing, I work with announcements um, and then we have makerspaces and I do a lot of work with that. Um, And uh, we also do uh, TEDx, the peer middle school. So I help plan that as well. So um, it runs the gamut of things that I do. uh, But by far, my favorite thing that I try and do as often as possible is uh, work with teachers and eventually get into classrooms where I can also help teach and work with kids.
0: Marcy, as the person who is overseeing a program in your definition, what is a instructional technology coach?
3: Well, that's a great question. I think that we actually try to emphasize the technology last, and we start with the, an emphasis on learning first. And so, so much of what we're doing is figuring out what we want our students to know and be able to do, and then the technology is layered on top so that we can make that learning meaning, meaningful and relevant to them, and we can help improve efficiencies in the classroom, and technology is often, you know, a way to do that. So. You know, those are the kinds of conversations we're constantly having in Deerfield, um, taking, you know, the focus off of the technology and onto the learning and, and then following it up with what technology makes the most sense and why do we want to use that.
0: And and let's talk a little bit about that, Maria. How do you go through and work on that? It's the beginning of the school year. How do you start your job?
4: <sighs> um. Lots of different ways, like Marcy said we we always try to just focus on on the learning of it so i'll I'll meet with teams like teams of uh, grade level teachers or meet with teachers individually or um or subject area like and we'll just talk about you know where they want to begin with the learning and then we'll we'll ask the why and then we always see like, okay, well, how can technology fit into this to make things happen and you know, um, focus on like the, the, the four C's are something that we always try to, you know, um, gear into. So a lot of it is just planning one-on-one with teachers. We do small group. It just depends on like the needs of, of the learning at hand.
0: Now, Sam, you are not currently a technology coach, but you have been in a coaching position where you're going to where you work with teachers. Talk to mm-hmm. us a little bit about some of the things that you have done as an instructional technology support coach person.
2: Uh, in my position, it was a combination tech teacher and coach, though so there was a lot of model lessons built into it. There was a lot of co-teaching built into it. Um, and then there was a good deal of just crazy prep where it would be like oh well we want to do this but we can't because it requires three hours of this insane mundane work ahead of time and then i would do that you know setting up devices setting up accounts um testing everything to make sure that the kids weren't going to come across the wrong thing in the search um, it was a really small school, so it was really like whatever I needed to do to get the teacher to take that next chance.
0: So I think as we can see here, the, the role or the definition of an instructional coach really varies by school. Like Josh has two buildings. I have six, Sam has one. And, and of course at Deerfield, how many school buildings are, do you guys have in the school district?
3: We have six buildings and we're fortunate enough to have two coaches assigned to each of our buildings. Wow. Yeah. Two coaches nice. per building. I, uh, so that's bring,
0: that brings up the first question here. And Josh and I talk a lot about this, and Sam and I talk a lot about this. But as a technology coach, how do you do it? How do you get into because I because our goal is to get working side by side with those classroom teachers? But as we've all said, it has to start at the meetings or it has to start with the idea or the vision. Talk to us a little bit about it. Let's let's start with Marcy, because you're you're there trying to organize all of this. How do you suggest your tech coaches go from high start of the year when everything is crazy mm-hmm. to getting into those meetings? And, and and what is that process you recommend?
3: Well, it's going to start with visibility and relationship building at the very beginning of the school year. So if you're new to a building, that's what's most important, what's most critical um, to having um, an opportunity to coach. But if you've established those relationships, I think it's just um, getting, you know, getting in front of teachers to let them know that you're available. And I think sprinkling some ideas out there is also a really, a really nice idea. So like right now in Deerfield, I feel like Flipgrid is being kind of dangled in front of people as a really neat opportunity to engage students and having some, um, video dialogue and having these grids where students can record their thinking and sharing it out. And so I've seen a few coaches kind of share that with other teachers. We've even shared it at the district level. And so it starts to pique interest. So sometimes just highlighting some new tools out there and giving some suggestions of ways to use it, you'll get those um, high flyers who are really likely to jump on board. And, And typically that will help build momentum and help you kind of Move forward in a school year,
0: Josh. What yeah. have you found successful? You like me, you're also going into multiple buildings, so it's sometimes hard to forge those
1: relationships. What what uh, what have you found being successful? Um, I found trying to find uh, the people that the teachers know and listen to the most. So what I mean by that is who has influence with the teachers that is going to help them see the value. Um, that they look at as more of a of a peer expert in their area. So, my background is in business education. So, when I'm working with an ELA teacher or a math teacher, I don't have that instructional background. Uh, you know, I I feel like I know good teaching, but for other teachers, that's who they want to hear it from. They want to hear it from their colleagues who also do the same thing. Um so, I found a lot of success through um, our literacy coach who works with every teacher grades five through eight. And if there's something that I can get her excited about, every single teacher is going to end up doing it. And then that's a, a great way for me to get involved uh, with those classrooms. Uh, with the other subject areas, it's a little more challenging because they don't have one of those people. Uh, but um, like uh, Marcy and and Maria talked about it's it's finding those those people that are really gung- ho to get stuff going. and and those are your evangelists. Those are the people that you really leverage to get the word out. And um, that that's really how it happens. Um, other than that, I have the schedule. I know when the teams meet. And you know, as I just drop by and casually talk to people, everybody's okay with me stopping by. And so, um, especially early on, there was a lot of that just going and just chatting with people, you know, removing the agenda not having any agenda in terms of we're, we, we got to come up with a project to do. It's just a matter of, hey, how's it going? You know, how how the Packers doing? Like, oh, man, that Badger game was great this weekend. Right. And trying to forge those relationships. And once you start to get comfortable, uh, especially, you know, in my situation, I was, you know, a few years ago I was new. You know, I needed to know people before we could really get to that next level. Um, for for quite a few teachers mm-hmm. and and that's helped too. And it helps me feel comfortable wanting to come and suggest things because I'm not as worried about this rejection from from them. it's it's we're comfortable now, so I can go and I know I can at least talk about an idea, even if they don't accept that it, it there's it's a lot more comfortable then. yeah. And Maria, would you agree with that?
4: I do. um like they both said, um the relationships are so, so key. and just by having those conversations, you you not only get to know somebody, but then you get to talk about like what they're teaching and what they're thinking about. And then that's where you could just jump in and see like, okay, what are they gonna be comfortable with? Oh, I have this idea, um, let's try it out. And that's how, that's like one way, I think that's so critical is getting to know your people and and knowing what they wanna do with their students and what they're comfortable with and what they w- might wanna try. Um, Another thing that we kind of dabbled in last year um, that we want to try again this year is something um, to kind of break down the walls of classrooms. Because like Josh said, like we want teachers to be able to, you know, see other teachers, what they're doing and learn from one another. Because that's what they are, the experts, they learn so much from each other. So um, have you guys heard of that hashtag observe me? Um, Not yet. okay. So I, I heard about it via Twitter, which I learned so much about everything that, um, that I, that I know about. Um, so hashtag observe me is this movement where, um, it, it is to like break down the walls of classrooms and you basically put out a sign outside of your classroom and it has a QR code Um, that goes to like a form but the hashtag observe me is so it's welcoming you into my classroom as a teacher to come observe what I'm doing and then there's like some focuses that I have on my sign that I want you to check out that maybe it's like how my students are collaborating with each other maybe it's my innovation and it's bringing teachers into each other's rooms to observe one another, learn from one another, and then, you know, maybe go back into their own room and try something out new. Um, so it's, it's something that has, has helped a little in my building, and I'm hoping it's going to help even more this year just to, like, break down those walls.
0: I like that idea. That's a pretty neat idea that to have there of just you know, because really what it comes down to is it's vulnerability. Having a teacher say to you, "I need help with," or "Hey, what do you think of this?" or "Come work with me and and team teach," or or any of those things. One of the things that I often ask, and one of the things that often comes up in questions, is how do you do that? Okay, as Josh says, you have those conversations. Hey, how about the Packers? Mm-hmm. Do you leave the conversation with saying, "Hey, if you need anything, I'm here." Do you say here's my card? Do you say hey, are you busy third period? What usually works for you guys?
4: It just depends. Yeah, um, you kind of sometimes just leave ideas with them and say, and maybe have like a follow up meeting. Um, a lot of times when you give ideas out, it's it's so critical to follow through, follow up with things, or else they just they're left as ideas and nothing comes into fruition. So. Um, just continuing to like find out when their best time to work with them is. Um, you want it to be convenient because you know how busy teachers are and how little time that extra time they have. So just, um, finding time, finding time and following through and following up on what you guys have talked about and helping support along the way. If you bring up an idea or innovation or something to try out, um, you can't just be like, here you go, try it out. Let me know how that works with, for you. You know, you just have to follow along throughout along the way.
1: Um, I have a friend, I, I don't know if any of you follow Kenny Bosch on Twitter, um, does a lot of stuff in the personalized PD uh, chat and that hashtag and, and all of that stuff. Uh, but he has a pretty cool way of looking at this. Um, he, kind of to, to borrow his more crude phrase, he's like, what do you want to kill? What, what's the thing that that bothers you what's the thing that um, you know if, if you could what's the least favorite part of your job what's something what's what's a unit that you really hate and and that's a, a place that he starts from when he's working with other teachers is trying to attack that that thing that really bothers them that they just want to want to fix they want something that's gonna work better for them um, so I think Jeff in your case where um, it might be You've got people who, you know, I think you told me that you hear this is not a good time. Um, that might be an opportunity to find out, well, why isn't it a good time? What's well, taking your time right now? And then maybe there's something that that works for them there. Um, it might not be a classroom integration tool. It might just be something that saves them a few minutes here and there. Uh, but that gets them feeling positive and, and possibly start to want to see what's next. Because if you free up some time there, uh, they might be able to breathe a little easier and then might um, see hey, I, I think I, I feel like I should try something with this unit. That that Jeff guy, he knows some stuff. Sam, what do you think?
0: With everything else that we're talking about here, you have the distinction of not only being in that tech coach or having been in that tech coaching role, but you're also a teacher. You're also on that line. You're also you know, more one of them than maybe somebody who isn't seen as in the classroom. Is that easier or is that harder?
2: Um, you know, it, it just is right. There's the thing about any school is it's a bunch of people trying to work together to make amazing stuff happen. And the, the challenge of any coach working with other adults is finding the space to be able to kind of get into their routine and get them comfortable enough to be vulnerable with you because until you're talking to a teacher who doesn't mind looking wrong and a little foolish, it's going to be hard to help them do anything because, I mean, as teachers, we honestly look wrong and a little foolish in front of our kids many, many times a day. So I don't know why it's a big deal in front of other adults. (laughs) Um, But once people are on the other side of that line, they're a lot easier to work with, right? There's just a lot of ego involved in my classroom and my lessons that I built to try to meet your expectations. And um you know whatever you can do whether it's talking about sports or i was always one for at the beginning of the school year hanging out and waiting to carry things for people um because then you know i could be useful to them and then my other trick would it was that i would find things to ask for help on right like maybe i can figure out how to use the photocopier just fine But there's actually a lot more value in me asking the kindergarten teacher how to use the photocopier if it doesn't use up a bunch of their time and it gives us an opportunity to talk. And in that talk, they have been useful to me. Right. Because then it actually becomes easier for me to be useful to them. Which is a really interesting thing I've discovered in coaching is if I can find a time to make it so that they that I obviously need them for something, then they know that i see them i know them i value them i know they know stuff and i think the biggest challenge tech you know anybody who's coaching anybody has especially if it involves with tech is like i don't want you come in to help me with something and thinking i'm an idiot just because i don't know how it works but like today we were supposed to create this little graphic and put it up on the bulletin board with all the other teachers and i'm like i couldn't get the server to work i couldn't get the program to work i couldn't get it to print it was just like one thing after another but all of my coworkers are willing to laugh along with me and help me out and show me how it works. Cause they know I'm not an idiot, but if they didn't know me, I'd be sitting there sweating it going, Oh, well they're going to be like, Oh yeah. Makerspace guy. He can build a robot, but he can't work comic life.
3: <laughs> you know, <laughs>
0: So obviously, it seems like building relationships, especially in these first few weeks, is really important. I think one of the other things a new tech coach looks at and says, how do I do this is organization. Uh, I want to give everybody here a chance to talk about their organizational tips. Maybe you guys can share off some of your favorite organizational apps. Uh, Maria, let me start with you. When, When you're looking at organizing yourself, your emails, your calendar, your conversations. What do you use to keep everything organized?
4: It's probably simple, but Google calendar, I don't, I cannot live without it. I put everything in there. Um, I know Marcy and, and I were chatting and she, she did a little PD and she's big on like the tasks on like an iPhone or an iPad and all that. But I don't know, Google Calendar, and I share my calendar with my the other iCoach coach in my building as well, so we we know when we're available. And actually, along with the librarian in my school, um, we're we have a little team in the library. and we just stay organized with Google Calendar. It's I, I if it went away and if it just everything disappeared in my Google Calendar, I'd have to start from scratch and <laughs> that would be ugly. <laughs> when you're
0: meeting with teachers or when you're having these conversations, do you, do you take notes on these conversations? I mean, I, I, how many teachers are you responsible for? How do you keep all that stuff organized?
4: Google everything, Google docs. Google, I mean, even in a calendar appointment, when I have an appointment with another teacher, I'll put notes in my our calendar appointments just so we both have that together. But, Anything, anything that we can collaborate with Google is what I use to, to collaborate with the teachers.
2: Now, how tight are you locking all these things in, right? Are you doing, do you have the Google Calendar uh, appointment that is linked to the notes in the Google form? Like like if you get to like the Google Doc, can you find all of the other pieces?
4: Sometimes. Yeah. And, and I'm trying to Google Keep is a new like a newer app that I'm trying to get more familiar with and utilize because it syncs so well with like docs and everything. Um, so that's my new that's that's what I'm going to try to use this year to, to become even more organized is Google Keep.
0: Now, Sam, when you're talking about putting everything all in one and organizing and syncing, I, I got to have Josh talk a little bit about what he does because there's times during the day where in New Jersey, I'm learning exactly what building Josh is going to. Josh, you've got a nice little system there using If This Then That. Could you talk to us a little bit about how you've organized your 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 digital life and how people know how to find you?
1: Uh, yeah, what's funny is the project you're talking about kind of came out of a joke. Uh, I, I work pretty closely with my library media specialists. Our district is very... Progressive when it comes to library media specialists and that we do have one of those in each building Which helps me do my job a lot better because I consider my two uh, Library media specialists very similar to me. So we kind of all divvy up the duties and um, it really helps with that Uh, but oftentimes Teachers especially at the middle school will call the library media specialist because my office is in the library and ask if I'm there and she gets kind of catty about that and is like, I'm not Josh's secretary. Um, so uh, I, it was late in the year and it was, you know, just one of those slow afternoons. And so I'm like, well, I wonder if I could. Um... And so I started looking at if this, then that. And they have a recipe that um, you can use uh, your location from your Android phone. And if you enter uh, any kind of radius, it'll trigger... And then I have it set up to just a Twitter account that I made called where is Josh. And if I enter or leave any building, it sends a tweet. So on our staff shared website, um, there's just a link to where is Josh and then people can go out there and um, they'll know what building I'm in, uh, whether or not uh, th- that has, has fired um, wow. I need to make sure it's still working once, once the school year starts. But um, yeah, that's fun. It's also fun that I live right in that, district so there are many times where it's like eight o'clock on a friday night and i'm out driving and i'll if, it, if his school, phone it'll, connects it'll, it'll trigger it I'm like oh i was here oh i was gone uh, so that's kind of fun but now uh, it's mean, that. kind of a joke thing but people do use it so that's the hilarious part is that it's actually <laughs> i hear all the time like i knew well, you were here because i saw it there
2: uh, and and actually you know you could you 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 The way you've cast this, I'm just going to give you a a little advice here, right? The next time you tell this story, talk about it as a real-life design thinking exercise, right? And couch the whole thing in identifying a need you needed to get this information to the people that needed it without having to bug your coworker with it to make her feel like your secretary, right? And you responded to that need. Is it a little bit ridiculous? Maybe, until you realize that they're all... using the information right it actually met the need
1: yeah and it also was just fun to actually have a functional project uh, with if this then that which there are a ton of really fabulous uses for Um, i need to dig back in and find some more things to do but that's one little thing i do to help out my colleagues Um, because what i find is that um, for some of the smaller things if i'm not in front of them if they don't see me or if they can't just drop by, it often doesn't get asked until much further down the road. Um, So if people know that I'm there, it helps. And just other people do this- Right,
2: you're manufacturing these opportunities to have a face-to-face.
1: Right, and I don't keep a specific schedule at either building. Um, And the reason I don't is because the second I do, then all of a sudden somebody's gonna want me, It, it happens every time, in the other building on a time that i said i was going to be in this building and then it just blows the whole thing up so i'm like well what's the point of trying to do that i'm available to everybody whenever um and you know the buildings are close enough they're about a mile apart it's not that far to get between uh both is there a good coffee or sandwich shop in between <laughs> no it's across the bridge it's mm. it's a little further to mm. get there but we do have a really good local coffee shop called luna coffee so if you're ever the pier wisconsin go find luna coffee Oh, it's fabulous
2: i have a feeling if i'm ever into pier, wisconsin you'll be driving so it won't be a problem getting there
1: <laughs>
2: Do that. now what you know we've talked about a number of things kind of just create and i, and I want to come back to just this idea of creating these informal opportunities right like if you're not available to answer that question they're going to go on to whatever the other solution is right and when you're working in multiple buildings, and you know that that like face-to-face happenstance time is some of the most valuable time you have, right? Are there ways to manufacture more of that? I, I think you know having people know where you are is one of them. But I mean, do you haunt the teachers' lounge? Do you do you get to know the the habits of your teachers and run into them in fruitful places? I mean. What kind of tricks uh, do you have, Maria?
4: You know, I, I I'm very fortunate, very very fortunate that I'm one of two coaches in in one building. So we do know um, our teachers' schedules, their the grade level meetings that they have, their plan mm-hmm. times, and like literally we have a schedule of when they're off, um, when they meet for team meetings or whatever, and if we have something to meet with them about, we you know, ask them if a couple of days, sometimes it's a day before, hey, can we take 10 minutes of your team meeting and come share some important info? We want to do a little mini PD with you. Um, you know, we really try to just get to know all of them because, like I said, we have, there's two of us, there's a lot of them, we have the time to, to fill into their space and their time. So we try to do that as much as possible.
2: And in that ask, I heard you saying specifically, hey, can we take 10 minutes of your time to do this, right? Yeah. And and it's this time right here, right? So you've, you're, you've given them a communication that's incredibly clear. It limits the amount of time you ha- that you're asking for. Yeah. It tells them when you want it, and it tells them why you want to do it, right? Yes. So it's just that kind of clear communication also being really yes. important because, I mean, I find teachers are more than willing to do great stuff. They just are often very guarded with their time. Mm-hmm. They want to know that any time they put into learning something is going to be worth it, that they, and they're going to actually use it, any time that they're sitting in a meeting, they're going to learn something that they couldn't learn otherwise. Now, we haven't talked about coaching non face to face I know that in my work, I have made many, many screencasts because oftentimes if I get like two emails about something, I'll be like, okay, fine. We're going to do a screencast and send that out to everybody and put it where they can find it. What has been your experience with that, Marcy?
3: Um, One of the things that I've done is something called Marcy's Minute, and so I'll find some either tool, app, strategy, something that I know is going to be beneficial to a large number of people. And I'll try to share that information in a variety of ways. So I'll probably put together some sort of a screencast tutorial. And what I love even more is getting into a classroom and showing it in action. Like, I know people love to listen to me talk, but it's way better to see the students (laughs) actually using whatever it is. So I'll just say to a teacher, hey, you know, I heard about this new thing, or I heard you're using X. Can I come in and take a look and just grab a little bit of like B-roll footage so like we can see students while I'm describing what what the application can do. That's worked really nicely and then using other apps like you know I have a Marcy's minute remind group so people can subscribe that way and then I share it on a blog and a weekly newsletter so it's hard to miss. I mean you can ignore it if you want which is fine but at least I'm my reach is pretty pretty broad. Um, and it's just a fun way, and by I'm also highlighting the great things that a lot of our teachers are doing, or kind of tapping into some who I think might be interested in learning something new and are open to it. Um, some people really do like being the guinea pig. They don't want to ask to be, but they kind of like to be asked to be, if that makes right, sense. Right, Yeah.
2: Now, when you're creating these, these pieces of media, are you running those by people at the district level first before you're releasing them? Um, is there or are you on your own? Do you have any editorial help with that?
3: I am really on my own. Um, I have an amazing director for communications um, and community relations. So there are times, um, plugged Kathy Kajidjian in District 109, she's amazing. So sometimes I will have her, it's just another set of eyes, but no, you know, for the most part, it's just, you know, talking to people, hearing about something that a few people are doing. And I want to just spread that message across the district because it's happening in one building. And I want to try and get it across the district quickly. Seesaw is a great example of that. I mean, it was like going through one elementary school within weeks, like every teacher was using it, but on the other side of town, nobody had heard of it. Mm -hmm. And so all I had to do was go over there and go into a few classrooms, capture what it looked like, you know, get a couple of, um, Teachers commenting on how amazing it was and how helpful it was to students and parents. And what did you know? A week later, it spread across town and an entire second building was using it.
1: You know, this is an area where I think somebody in your position is so valuable and that we don't have in ours. So you said you're a director of innovation, right?
3: Right. Right. So uh,
1: for us, we have a director of technology, but they're not on the instructional side. They're all about tech support. Yeah, um, and they manage the infrastructure. So we don't actually have anybody. So between the two of us, we don't have anybody that manages us. We report to our building principals, which is great. But I think sometimes then we have this, you know, end of the line border situation going on. Where let's say if I want to do something and we do it, it often happens just within my two buildings, and it's harder to escape because we don't have that that leadership per se. I mean, and I can push it out there and I can talk to my other tech coach and say, Hey, we did this really cool professional development activity in the spring. I think you guys love it, but it's harder to to get that disseminated across the buildings like you were able to do. Um, so I, I'm really jealous of that. Um, I, I wish we could find a way to to sort of make that happen in our district. Um, Cause that, it sounds like that really helps a lot that you're there to, to really spread things around well let me throw a question
0: about being the director of innovation and stuff and, and and seesaw is a good example if you see something on social media twitter whatever that's starting to be really really awesome in classrooms uh-huh. and this is a question for everybody really what is your district's policy or system for vetting those apps for student privacy data, all that stuff can and I know, and that's why you know I'm glad Sam asked that question of Do you just find seesaw and run with it, or do you have to go back and say This is nice, um, is it legit? Can we use it, or is this potentially something that could be sending student data out? Yeah. What does all of your school districts do about that? I mean, every school district I'm talking to is have are having these conversations.
3: I mean, I can speak to what Deerfield does. Anytime there's an, either a web application or um, we've several of our student devices are um, iPads. So if there's an iOS app, um, there is a process for vetting and approval. And so we ask that all of our teachers submit any application. I'm actually the one and only who does all the vetting, but I look really closely at the privacy policy. Um, I make sure If there is collection of third party data or third going to a third party, what data is collected, where it's going. And then I document that and the approval usually has to do with, you know, the app being pedagogically sound and the data being, being safe. So, um, we ask our teachers to do that. It's a little easier for the iOS apps because, um, we have like a self-contained, um, store so that teachers are really just downloading any apps that have already been vetted the web stuff is harder because kids can very easily teachers can very easily just have kids signing up for accounts. Um, the iOS stuff ha- happens to be a little bit easier to control but that's kind of how we do it. we look at all of those pieces and and we keep a list for all of our families, so that our parents know exactly which applications their students may, or their children may be using in our classrooms.
0: But how does that work? And and I I want to press you on this. If, sure. if you're the one that vets everything, but then Maria says, and I'm paraphrasing here. Oh, mm-hmm. I found this widget, and I just want to put it out on my newsletter. Mm-hmm. Does she take the widget to you first?
3: Ideally, ideally yeah. it goes to that. Okay, to, so
0: that, to that so, so, there, form. so there is there is a vetting process. We you're not just taking something and saying, hey, how about we try it this way? We're actually you know, going back and making sure that's there. Josh, what do you do or how does your district work?
1: Uh, And once again, that's an area where not having that leadership in that capacity really makes it difficult. Um, I try and rely a little bit on, you know, I I do a little bit of looking. I try and rely a little bit on the work that's happening in the Green Bay Public School District. Um, Their technology director, director of instructional technology, whatever her title is, she is one of the leading people, I would say, in, in the country in terms of looking at data privacy and and COPA, FERPA, all those things as they relate to a lot of apps. And they actually um, have a very – and they're a bigger district. Um, they have a few thousand teachers in that district. Um, they have a like a database of the apps that have been vetted and approved and their processes – and it helps that they're so big – they have their own terms of service that if the terms of service of the app don't meet that then they send that terms of service and that technology company has to agree to that or the teachers are not allowed to use it Uh, my wife actually teaches in that district and um, so there's a lot of good from that because you know that the apps you're using are good for student data on the flip side as teachers especially if you want to kind of push the envelope and be on the edge like You want to just go like oh i heard of this cool thing like flipgrid is awesome i want to use that but it's not approved the district office so you can't use it and so you suddenly feel like you're being stifled so there's kind of that give and take with that in our district we're a little freer so it's kind of really up to to me almost in my buildings to make sure that that stuff's okay i need to be better about it and i and i'm trying to to get into that and just trying to find that balance of of making sure our teachers feel like they can try things. um, But we also want to make sure our students' information is protected.
0: What do you guys recommend or how do you guys handle things such as... uh, I'm hearing a little bit of echo from somebody. I don't know where that's coming from. But um, an instance, I was working with a teacher recently and I kind of said, hey, why don't you open up your phone and download the Google Drive app and do this and do that and... You know, I can say that and I can recommend it, but these are all things that are volunteer. So if if the teacher doesn't want to put Google Drive on their phone, they don't have to. What are your district's... uh, I don't want to say what your district policy is, but how do you guys get around by saying this would be really cool if only you would do this or if you you know put this on your phone? Do you guys encourage teachers to use phones or is your policy teachers' phones, teachers' business... If they want to, they can, but we don't support it. How, how do you guys handle devices of private individuals?
4: Um, so, in our district, we we do have teachers, you know, have their own you know devices as far as laptops. They also just recently got iPads, so it's it's encouraged for them to use those. I'm thinking of an instance with students actually. Um, we do VR, we do Google Expeditions with our middle school students, and um, we are fortunate that a lot of them have their own smartphones to use in our VR goggles. So, you know, we are thinking, like, we could use BYOB for that, but, you know, they're going to have to install Google Expeditions app or Coast Spaces. So... We have a form that you know we've created, and we send it home to their parents, and uh, you know explain what the lesson is going to be, and um, asking if their child can you know download an app, and if they get approved, which you know ninety nine, one hundred percent usually do because you know they know what it's for. They get approved, and they can use their device for that Google Expedition experience or the CoSpaces experience. So those are special circumstances, but otherwise. You know, students use their district devices, teachers use their district devices. And um, that thing that Marcy mentioned is self-service for the iOS has been such a a big help as far as like things have already been vetted. Anything in that little store now, teachers feel safe, comfortable that they can use for themselves or for their students. And that's just been so helpful.
0: What are you referring to again when you say store?
3: Um, we use, we use um, Casper. So it's a it's Jamf software and they have um, a, a storage called self-service. And so it's basically like your own little uh, um, Apple app store.
0: Do you guys uh, have your own Chrome web app store created for your school district? Not that. Josh? Just, Anybody?
1: Um, I think our technology department does some light vetting of the app store. So not everything is available for students. Right. Um, So there's something happening in the background that's not apparent. Like you don't pipe into a specific school district of the peer Chrome web store space. But I think there is something they do on the back end to control that a bit.
0: Because I I know this is something I'm looking into. I think with the Chrome web store, you can say you can have every app in the world except for these. Or Hmm. you could say... You only have access to these and you don't have access to everything, which kind of gives you your own personal school district app store if you only open up like 15 or 20 things. Um, as we go through, I want to change topics here because we've got, by the way, fantastic conversation, guys. I love this. Thank you so much. Um, <laughs> next topic is, is kind of on the same thing of how do you digitally present yourself, which is what Sam was talking about your websites. Let's let's have a conversation about that. Do you guys have a, a single technology portal? Josh, do you have your own tech coach website? Um, what does that look like and what has to be on that?
1: This is a great question in an area that uh, I don't really have a, a great thing set up. And this might be one of my big goals this year. And really the tipping point for me came uh, just realizing how many things Our technology department sends out that live in email meaning recently we just had a password uh, policy change so what the passwords are required to be and how often to change them but there's nowhere you can go on our website or within a staff portal that gives you that information that lives in email there's no resource site for that stuff and I was just realizing how we really need something like that. Like we really do like there's for things like that. Um, I've held back on making like my own site with stuff on it because like, well, if it's Google apps, there's a ton of much better resources out there I can point people to. I don't need to remake all that stuff. Um, a lot of those things exist, but um, you know, as I think about it, there's so many district specific things that go on. Um, there are a lot of tutorials I've, I have made that, um, live in different places but could be uh, collated into one spot Um, so i started this process today sort of yeah the last few days as i built a new teacher survival guide website um so it's meant to be as brief as possible um it's not very brief but it's as brief as i could make it it's chunked out into little chunks of as many things as i could think of that the new teachers should know and they're going to forget after today's meeting because they're in meetings for two straight days and, you know, half of them are just out of college. They're not going to remember it all, and that's okay. So I felt in my conscience there just needed to be a spot for them to go back to. So that's me starting this process, but that's currently its own site. So how that works, how that integrates with other things, um, I'm not sure yet, but I feel there needs to be something for stuff like that. Even if it's not a bunch of tutorials about things, Um, there's some things that are very district specific that should be somewhere and documented.
0: And where are you building this? Is this a Google site or uh, something different?
1: I just threw it together in the new Google sites because I knew I was making videos using Screencastify and so it was just really easy to plunk those right in Um, and that way I didn't have to do a bunch of backflips to embed those videos into some other website platform. Um, I prefer Weebly but Um, in this case it was just much faster for me to pull one together in that
0: so Sam we've been doing this now for 163 episodes and we just learned that Josh can do backflips I think that's pretty
2: cool (laughs) well Josh is one of those guys that's always building skills and revealing a little bit more of his hand
0: All right, one, maybe, maybe one, maybe two last topics. Um, as we go through here, and this is kind of tied into the how do we do things, what does it look like, where is it kinds of topics. Is it too much? Is it not enough? I, I, will say I, I used to do a weekly tech newsletter. We've all seen the tech tip Tuesdays kinds of things. Um, I started subscribing no. to several Google Plus, you know, to ed tech communities just to kind of see where everybody is. And of course, if you're listening out there, ISTE has an amazing uh, ed tech community. There's, of course, several great ones on Google+. What is too much? Can I do one every week and not upset people? Do we say the first week of every month is Google-specific, the next is something else specific? Or how do you organize all this stuff when you're trying to be everywhere, but when you're everywhere, you're really nowhere? Good
4: question. maria you do that right i I tried i I tried um like a tech tip of the week and um i wish i could do a week i don't think a week was too much for the staff it was a little too much for me to keep up because i have a 20 month old and a a now five year old and i don't know you know life is just busy but i was really eager and i'm going to try to do it again and just but I, I definitely think um, a, a week one is great um, And I started that last year because like you guys are mentioning There's just so much out there. There's so much in my head that I, I find helpful or whatever. I'm like I gotta, gotta Sure this out somehow. I, mean, I, I can't just have this all in my head. I need to get it somewhere So I thought like I'm using it on my blog. I put like a new page on there and um, just to kind of curate things um, although Um, I'm thinking maybe we should have done something as like with the two middle schools with the coaches and created some kind of site. And we kind of talked about doing like a four C's thing, like have things that relate to creativity, have things relating to like critical thinking um, and, and so on, and just have tech stuff weed into those four areas, since that is something that we're always trying to focus around. So it's definitely something we're trying to.
3: I think what I'm also noticing, I mean, it's amazing that, I mean, this is the type of people we all are. We want to try and share because we have this information and we want to make sure that we're doing our job by disseminating it. But the reality is that the teacher, the practitioner is so busy that it only matters to them. I feel like when it really matters when they need it. And so if it comes across there, their email, or if they see it on social media and they don't need it right then and there, it's like out of sight, out of mind. They forget about it. And so I think the challenge is to pay really close attention when you are a coach and really, you know, hear I mean, some of you have already said this, like hearing, like the way Josh said, what is, you know, what is killing you right now? What is bothering you right now? And really, like, finding that teachable moment that you would have found when you were in the classroom. Now, as a a coach, what's your teachable moment? You know, for me right now, as we're getting all these technology tools up and running for the school year, you know, I know that there are some little, like, hidden features of the tools that not everybody knows about. That means the beginning of the year, I need to hit those hard because it matters now. But in a few months, like, it won't matter as much because people will be on to other things so i don't know if that makes sense but really paying attention to the needs of your of your people because yeah. you know that's when it's going to reach them
2: right and you're really focused like when you talk when you're talking about you know responding to the needs of your people i hear you putting you know teachers in that your people role more than any other constituents at the school except maybe the kids right and you know being able you know being able just proactive and also responsive you have to have that set up and you have to have that initial relationship where they're going to come to you with a question and when you say what's driving you crazy they're going to be willing to go there right um i always tell the teachers i work with like bring me your hardest lesson because you've got you know 99 percent of what goes on in your classroom but there's something that drives you nuts right bring that to me and let's work on that together because that's where you're going to do the most good for them so, and that's going to ensure that you get to come back and do more work later
0: and what if that thing is helping you with the copy machine sam
2: well you know like that's that's important because i don't know how to use the copy machine
4: so, i like so, that copy so, machine example i really do because like you, you know, it could be anything, but you're, you're showing, you're kind of empowering them a little. You're, you're showing, okay, you just taught me something. It's making them feel like, okay, you're not the one that knows everything. I know something right. too, you know? Right,
2: right. And they're, they're teachers, right? They're good at teaching, yeah. right? So like, like teach me a thing. Yeah. Awesome. You're good at that, <laughs> right? I want to help you do that more with other people. And it's genuine because when you're new to a building, you don't know how the copy machine works. You don't know the laminator protocol. You don't know. There's so much you don't know. And what you don't know can build relationships with other people. Yeah. Like well, that. it has to. Otherwise, you're just going to look like an idiot. So <laughs> if, if you find a way to spin it that's not like, hey, I'm clueless. You know, I don't know how to use the copy machine. I'm going to help you do virtual reality <laughs> just after I get these copies. Right? Like, oh, no. <laughs> so i think the one thing that
0: we can take away from a show like this is that number one there's no wrong way to be a tech coach there's no run right way to be a tech coach and everybody's got it i think we can all say it starts and ends with relationships that's Mm -hmm. something that we all work on all the time and i think the biggest thing that i've learned over the years of being a tech coach is that everybody has the same questions which every day we wake up and go how do we do this because every day it's different, whether in, you're in six buildings, one building, or in a half a building. The one thing that I definitely want to stress out for anybody who's listening to this show is just reach out, right? Like the, Again, the ISTE Tech Coaching Network is great. Um, there's other great you know, peer groups that are out there for technology coaches. There's Voxer groups. Sam, you like Voxer, don't you? <laughs> I
2: love Voxer. Voxer's amazing, especially when people type in Voxer <laughs> or send pictures in Voxer, maybe a video. I,
0: I, I think the rule needs to be that, I, I think Voxer needs to have a rule that if you're going to leave a message more than 30 seconds, it must have you put a topic on it that you people can read.
3: I like that idea. So you don't you know, have like a, a topic, a hundred right? like, I'm sorry. Things. That's good. You know? like, At Voxer if you're listening. That's a great suggestion.
2: Right? Or, or like if your Vox is over 50 seconds long, for everyone in the group that listens, they get three cents out of your PayPal account, right? <laughs> like, like
4: it yeah, but that's why they much. put the fat, they, that's why they put the fast forward. They put if that
2: <laughs> can right, right? But there's a certain point where it's like three minutes. I
0: I need the one that says notification <laughs> stop after the three hundredth message I've missed
2: right well, but my my real question with Voxer is how anyone in the world can leave a three minute vox because I'm like I've never uninterrupted for three minutes, right like anyway well
0: that's that's usually my daughter Sam trying to vox you, and it's just babble anyway
2: right she usually facetimes though well
0: that's usually at half three in the morning when i can't keep her to sleep anyway right. there are several great ways that you can reach out and be a part of this and all of our shows but before we get to those i want to hear from you guys uh, marcy where do we learn more about the great things happening in your area and how do we get a hold of you on social media
3: oh please follow our hashtag engage 109 um we tell our story through twitter And we're proud, proud of the work that we're
4: doing. It's the best place to go to see what's happening in Deerfield. Maria. Engage 109. And also I'm, I'm, I use Twitter, you know, to, to learn from uh, other people. I, I, I use it to like, you know, get to know people as well. So I'm at Maria Galanis on Twitter. Um, I'm also dabbling in Snapchat and, and I love Instagram too. So I'm, Like we, you know, we just got done saying I'm big on relationships and I feel like getting to know people in these social media spaces, um, makes me want to learn from other people. And so, um, that's where you can find me.
0: And, uh, Josh, do you have a Mr. G's technology coach fact of the day?
1: (laughs) Mr. G technology coach fact of the day. I really don't like when you put me on the spot for this. Can you give me like... (laughs) Warning that this is going to happen in the future. Josh, we have a show next week. Touche. <laughs> Touche. Well done. Well done. Um, let's see. Uh, this is episode
2: 164. Our- I mean, Jeff, do you think he put himself on notice when he named himself Mr. G's fact of the day? I don't know why.
0: <laughs> yeah. It's not him story
2: him time with Josh. Right. Call him by this. name.
0: Probably no. the of the day part was where we have some
2: issues. Right. Like, do what you want to do, but don't promise a specific period of time in between when you do it. I think that's the real takeaway of the day.
1: So From I overpromised to, to the fact right? of the day. <laughs> yes,
2: yes. Overpromised and underdelivered. Hurt, hurt them all. You want to underpromise and overdeliver
1: see everybody else you ask like really like easy things like what can we find you on Twitter and then Jeff throws me a complicated question I have to spend an hour hemming and hawing over. Okay, well, I,
2: did you? Fa- I hope you found you something don't. in the meantime right I'm I trying to kill some time here okay good.
4: You'll I think do- of something right when we hang up you All know
1: right.
0: that. Let's make this so, easier Josh what's the ERA of the Brewers closing pitcher?
1: Uh, it's pretty low it's the <laughs> one. Um, in any case the the fact I'm going to give you is something that I'm very proud of. Um, as I mentioned, we plan TEDx to peer middle school. We've done it two years now. Uh, one of our videos from the first year we did it has 50,000 views. Wow. Which is pretty incredible. So there's your tech coach wow. fact of the day. Um, if you can, plan a TEDx at your school. It's pretty incredible.
0: Wow. That is pretty cool. Sam, you got to top that one. What is the uh, What is
2: the puppet fact of the day? Uh, the puppet fact of the day is that yesterday puppets tell dot com put out an eclipse joke and we topped a hundred views in the first day which is pretty high traffic for ptj
0: wait, wait a minute wait a minute you put out a puppets tell jokes video yesterday what was the joke sam hold on i have to get you on a single shot
2: i mean i should make you watch the video right because it's only like
0: you, no no 70
2: seconds long sam we're still live fine okay the joke was how does the moon style the sun's hair ladies Hmm. you just have to repeat it back to me that's not that's how this works it's a joke
3: i don't know how does the moon style the (laughs) sun's hair is that what you just said
2: eclipse it
4: oh damn (laughs) that's great (laughs)
0: Thank you so much for taking the time to make TeacherCast your home for professional development. My name is Jeff Bradbury. There's, of course, several great ways that you can reach out and be a part of this and all of our shows. You can find us on Twitter at TeacherCast. Leave us a voicemail over at TeacherCast.net slash voicemail. Email us. Uh, Sam, it's a silly joke. Email us at Facebook. (laughs) Sam, it is a silly, silly joke. Email at at feedback at teachercast.net. And, of course, subscribe to this and all of our shows over on teachercast.net slash iTunes and teachercast.net slash voicemail. Ladies, we would love to have you guys come on this show. And if you're out out there as a tech coach, please, please, please reach out to us on any of our channels. We would love to continue doing these tech coach shows. Um, Until next time, please keep up the great work in your classrooms and continue sharing your passions with your students.